proposal for a civil authority. The police are not our friends. The best we as civilians can hope for is the police will act professionally and, as a unit of the military, do the job they were hired to do. The definition of what constitutes the job of the police and what standards determines what professional police behavior looks like is not defined by civilians. Policing is a militarized activity which puts it under the jurisdiction of the political equivalent of the nobility. Nobles are the administrative body of the military or was in olden days. Politicians now occupy this position. Politicians are not civilians they are by definition and function part of the military. Logically policing has to be under the authority of the military and the military's administrative nobility. As civilians we are not armed, we are not authorized to use arms to settle our disputes. The code of the Wild West is no longer deemed appropriate to settle issues. Civilians do not encompass the military, nor do we administrate or have power over armed factions. The armed forces are under the nobility which are the highest supervisory authority of the military and its auxiliaries. The military has two related purposes. The primary role of the military is to protect the state from military units not under the jurisdiction of the nobility of the state. A related purpose is to protect state interests from internal threats. All internal threats are by definition threats from civilians. Internal threats arise when subjects challenge the hegemony of the nobility. The state retains a monopoly on force for two reasons related to the purposes of the military. Monopoly power gives the state the strongest position vis-a-vis -vis an external threat. Monopoly power on the use of force mitigates the possibility of threats arising from the underclass. Civilians act as a civilian force or as an insurrection. January 6th will always be recalled as a more traumatic event than even 9-11 by the nobility. A revolt of the peasants is always more traumatic to the upper echelons than an external threat. If the people rise up as a military unit, it would be a civil war. This means not only that a military group must be formed to fight the nobility, but that a nobility would need to be formed to take over the supervision of the military. These conditions were not met on January 6th, but had they been, had the protesters been armed with weapons and a plan, a coup would have succeeded. Had the protesters fallen for the trap, armed themselves, and attempted a coup Democrats would have declared martial law and ended democracy and all civil liberties. The need to develop an alternative military is why civil wars are rare. Peasant uprisings are more frequent, but are rarely successful. Creating a civil authority is easier, natural and provides a respite from military occupation. Civil authorities provide leadership in a community without directly challenging the authority of the nobles. Indeed, we have seen many civil authorities rise up over the years, but they were never provided with formal recognition by other civilians. Leaders need to be formally recognized. One of the suggestions made to stop school shootings is to arm teachers. Governments oppose these kinds of solutions. Nobles oppose anything that suggests a challenge to the military's monopoly on the use of force. The nobility generally opposes the right of citizens to protect their property. We are told to call the police. Few jurisdictions permit citizens to effect a citizen's arrest. 
the right of a law-abiding person to protect themselves from attack, while seemingly rational, strikes at the heart of our nation's structure. We as subjects are the property of the state, and it is the state that has the final authority to protect its property. The military is under the authority of the nobility, military leadership, good guys with guns or civilians, peasants, and juntas do not like armed peasants. So, despite the fact that an armed and empowered citizenry makes logical and logistical sense, it does not make political sense to the powers that be. Yet, it is possible to establish a civil authority without directly threatening the monopoly power of the state. A civil authority is an ad hoc group of civilians charged with the authority to apprehend and hold and charge a suspect with minor property and misdemeanor crimes such as disturbances of the peace. Civil authorities have the right to hold hearings and adjudicate penalties, restitution, and terms of release. The Civilian Authority Program formalizes a right that has accrued to civilians from the dawn of time. It is part of the common law always recognized in law, but never given a formal structure until now. Tribal society was founded on the principle of reciprocal obligations. This has been formalized in the concept of the free market. An economy is people exchanging goods and services using an accounting system to track credits or debits. The accounting requires a means of exchange and unit of account so that the credits and debits can be quantified and made visible as a pragmatic necessity. The value of an item must be quantified in a way we can see and manipulate it in real time. This is the purpose of a currency. By creating a formal means of quantifying who owes what to whom the tribe becomes a market, and the market becomes the moral fabric of the tribe. Markets make it possible for a person who has been helped by one person to help another and by this means liquidate his obligation. Credits and debits and reciprocation become divorced from individuals and become market events. Ultimately, it is the community that is benefited and exploited by the actions of its members. It is the community that retains or ought to the justice function. Justice in this sense is a reconciliation of economic inputs and outputs. The action of a criminal creates an economic abnormality or unreconciled balance. The community must at some point demand a reconciliation or that it be recompensed for the balance outstanding. The civil authority is a mechanism utilized by a people to reconcile an otherwise unrecoverable loss. Imagine a robber holding up a corner store. If the robber escapes the store, the owner or the insurance company suffers a loss. Over time this loss will be spread out over the economy. Every market loss and gain is eventually felt by the community. Even criminals are harmed in the long run by the actions of criminals, but they gamble they will gain more than they lose. The civil authority exists to ensure this calculation is wrong. If the robber is caught it usually only happens after considerable police work has been done and a costly involvement by the justice system to bring the case to trial. The robber may be jailed or paroled, either way another cost is registered on the market. The economy absorbs the cost of the crime, the cost of apprehension, the cost of a trial, the cost of any appeals, and the cost of incarceration. Even if the criminal is fined, none of this money is likely to defray the expenses the economy has incurred because of the criminal's actions. Civil society has a right and duty to seek ways to reduce the cost of crime. 
To do this, the cost of committing a crime for the criminal has to be increased substantially. The first step in stopping crime is to reduce the probability a crime will be committed. The second step is to increase the probability the criminal will be apprehended after the crime has been committed. The third need is to reduce the cost of jurisprudence, that is the cost of bringing the case to a close. The Civil Authority is a program that addresses all three areas. To reduce crime the criminal needs to be identified and eliminated as a threat at the earliest possible moment. The community is best able to do this. A civil society is not just groups of people or civilians, it is or seeks to be a place of civility. Civil society exists as a community of mutual expectations and obligations. Manners are paramount. Crime is ultimately an attack on the civility of a place. Society has the right and obligation to demand civility that is a minimum level of decency. Social misfits are identified by members of the community. This is done in school, in stores and out on the street. Sources of disorder and incivility are always acting against civilians. Civilians targeted by the uncivil charge the miscreant with civil disturbance. A hearing is convened by the civil authorities to hear the matter. The civil authorities are civilians with direct interest in and knowledge of the case. The civil authority response has three steps. Upon experiencing the initial affront, the one offended informs the offender of his or her incivility. The civil code is defined by common law and the general expectations of good conduct as it exists in the community. Various aspects of the common law can be expressed in written form if desired, but civility is also determined by tradition and by the work of the civil authority. If uncivil behavior persists witnesses to the events in question convene and together go and inform the offender that his or her behavior fails to meet the basic standards required in the community. If the offenses continue then such members of the community as are interested convene and impose sanctions up to and including expulsion. These steps are preferentially taken before any criminal event has occurred and even before any criminal liability needs to be imposed. Such steps short-circuit the potential for criminal activity to take place. However, if a criminal event should occur the victim and whatever persons are present have the legal authority and obligation to apprehend the offender and convene a civil court. Costs are established for the offense by the civil authority in the form of a civil court. The agreed-upon penalty and charges once established are levied against the offender's account. If the offender does not address these charges in a timely manner a civil court is convened to hear the case, impose sanctions up to and including expulsion. A person who attempts to rob a store can be captured by citizens, tried and costs imposed on his or her account. This finding may be done in abstentia in cases where the felon has fled the jurisdiction. A person who is deemed a social misfit may have his or her freedom curtailed. The movement of a convicted misfit is restricted to certain areas to certain periods of the day. Only capital cases are incarcerated and referred to the military for martial justice. All misdemeanor convictions are fined amounts equal or greater than the costs created by the infraction. The purpose of justice being solely restitution. These costs are recorded in the convicted misfits' accounts. These accounts are open to review periodically to determine the alacrity with which the fine is being liquidated. 
The funds, as they accrue, are credited to the accounts of those who were harmed by the crime in an agreed-upon sequence and up to an agreed-upon limit.